This week on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. The Premier Lacrosse League says no to its players playing in the Canadian Summer League. A wild week 16 sets us up for a jam-packed week 17. We have two times the breaking news, and Micah Kersey and the Halifax Thunderbirds are getting set for the Bengals. All that more on OTCB. I am an My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! another week ahead and there is not an easy game on the schedule it's probably going to be that way the rest of the week he is pat gregoire find him on twitter at p greggy i'm teddy jenner at teddy jenner on twitter and the show is at otcb underscore podcast we're also on instagram at otcb podcast we have a ton to get to patty 
Um, and I know you're deep in March Madness. You're deep in a Leafs run here. The trade deadline has happened. There's a lot going on. But huge news came out on Wednesday. And that was that the Premier Lacrosse League has said that players will not be allowed to play in the major series lacrosse or the WLA while they are playing in the PLL. And this raised a lot of eyebrows. This has irked a lot of people in, in really the wrong way. There are a lot of people that are unhappy about this. What are your thoughts? What was your initial thought? And what are your thoughts now that you've had some time to sort of sit back and think? The initial thoughts were, wow, like uh, just speechless. Couldn't believe that something like this, this actually came to fruition. This was something that I think a lot of people kind of envisioned happening in, happening in, in a few years. And eventually that, you know, major series lacrosse and WLA one day would just become a, a sort of a feeder system or a developmental uh, system um, for these players that are playing full-time lacrosse whether it be in the pll or in the nll um and you know it's it was going to upset some people that you know maybe the man cup was no longer the best on best tournament in the summer but this came a lot faster than i think a lot of people anticipated and the fact that i think another reason why people maybe are upset about it or offended by it is the fact that it was the pll that were making the call and not the players saying you know what, it's time for us to step away and let the future uh, players battle for the Man Cup. And, you know, we're making enough money now where we can, you know, take the summer off from box and maybe play in the PLL or maybe for some other guys, you know, actually have an off season where they don't have to worry about. But it was the fact that the PLL, you know, had in these contracts that you will not play in any competitive league, which you could say it could be anything, but that is 110% um, talking about Canadian box lacrosse. And, and it stings. It sucks. Um, for some teams, it's going to really, really greatly affect them. For other teams, like, you know, Peterborough, sure, they're going to lose the Couriers. They're going to lose Wiz. But there's still a lot of guys on that roster that are still going to be able to play um, that, you know, didn't play in the PLL last year or don't, aren't under contract. Uh, but a team like Six Nations. Um, I think Daryl Smart said they had like seven of the 16 people on that list or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that list was, I mean, just go through the list. In, all, in the West and in the East, there's a ton of names. It, it is going to greatly change the way, um, you know, summer ball is played. And I don't know, is this the beginning of the end? I hope not. We knew something like this was going to happen, Teddy, but... I just don't think it was expected to come this fast. Yeah, and and the the point that I keep sort of making to people is that we and I think you touched on this. We always thought this was going to happen, at, to a point where it was going to be the NLL that made that decision because the NLL was you know going to go full time and players just weren't going to be you know available. Um, and the fact that the PLL did it kind of circumvents the NLL having to do it. Because now the PLL said, well, you can't play summer ball if you're going to play for us. Now the NLL guys are probably like, okay, sweet. Our guys aren't going to be playing summer ball anymore up in Canada. They're going to be playing field across, probably, you know, less wear and tear in the body, less chance of major injuries. And we can kind of keep an eye on them a little better. And they're being paid. So if they do get injured, you know, they're probably going to be taken care of. 
I do agree that it's going to take away some talent, but you know, when you look at it, so what, there's eight teams out East in the MSL or seven, eight, and there's seven out West. So, you know, that's 15 teams. That's 25 guys. That's 400 players, or I don't know, stupid math, whatever that is. If you're taking 20 of those guys out and sure, it may be 20 of the, the upper end of your talent pool, but you're still going to have tons of talent playing in the Canadian summer. Leagues. Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to be as huge of a loss as a lot of people think. Yeah, sure, they're not going to be able to see some of their favorite players. Six Nations is going to lose a, a lot of their guys who play on the chaos. But this just allows more players to play. It just opens more roster spots. It allows kids and m- young men an opportunity to continue playing their career. So, yes, on the surface, a lot of purists and a lot of Canadians up here are saying – screw the PLL. This is just typical PLL. We hate box mentality. I think they just want to make sure that their best players are playing each and every weekend and are going to be healthy. And if they're playing a Wednesday game in Maple Ridge, you know, that's not really keeping their guys in the best of their ability. So I, I'm kind of on the line of thinking that this was bound to happen at some point. Like you said, it happened a little quicker than we thought. And the fact that the PLL was doing it maybe sours the taste of some people. But I think this is actually going to be good for our game because we are, the you know, the CLA is technically an amateur sport. So you're taking a lot of those high profile players that are getting paid out. You can kind of keep some of your amateurness. You can allow more players to play, and it, it might even level the playing field. Christian Del Bianco tweeted out, you know, sarcastically, we might now actually have a chance against the East. And it's true, right? Sure, Peterborough may still be able to go out and throw some money around and get a few extra players, and Six Nations might be able to do the same, and Victoria or New West, Langley might be able to do something about that too, but I think it just kind of overall evens things out, and it allows pros to be pros and allows everyone else just to play some ball in the summer. So here's the thing. And I, I what you said, I, I totally see your side, but from, from where I'm looking at it, I think from, and this is more from an um, um, MLS uh, standpoint, mm-hmm. I, or, or sorry, MSL. The, 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 what I think is this is a league with the exception of really Peterborough are struggling to get butts in the seats. When you take away the best players in the world, how are you going to be able to market this as, you know, uh, the best players in the world? I guess it's the future stars, but are the future stars of lacrosse that aren't junior players competing for a Canadian? Is, is that going to be enough? Is that going to be enough to draw in new lacrosse fans or maybe those fair weather lacrosse fans i don't know i i don't know i do know the level of play like you said is still going to be very good yeah. you could argue it might be a little more intense on a night by night basis because the parody is going to be there um and you're going to have guys that are in that lineup knowing that they're battling for nll spots or they're battling to move up in their depth charts and to um, you know, improve their game so they can make it to the next level or be more impactful in the next level. So from, from that standpoint, I 110% agree. 
I just think that for uh, uh, six nations, you know, on a Tuesday night, they're struggling to get a lot of fans in the stands until playoffs. Um, Oakville on Monday, you know, same thing. It's not until the playoffs where they really start to get fans. Brooklyn has struggled to get fans inside their building for a few years now. So the theme is, is there that, you know, this is a league that is trying to, I, I, I don't know what they're actually trying to do to be quite (laughs) honest. And I don't think a lot of people know what they're trying to do, but um, this is, they know though, they, they do have, see that they do need to bring bodies into the building. And I think this new hurdle that the PLO set up is certainly something that they're going to have to try to get creative and and get the communities involved. I think, I think the teams out West are going to have a little more of an easier time because I just feel like with a lot of those teams you guys have out there, there's a lot stronger of a sense of community. And yes, there is for some of these teams, Yeah, but I, mean, I think you can. I think fun. you can feel the. Okay, you're not going to make up the talent gap, but you know what I mean. Like you're not going to be able to mm-hmm. replace a Burn and a Dane and a Kluche and all these guys on Six Nations with guys of equal talent. But what you might be able to change is the amount of local talent you have on your team. Yes, you know because Victoria and all these other teams that that oft bring in high profile names, the the guys that usually get cut are those rookies, second-year guys that are in market, that are from that town that just aren't quite there yet. I think you're going to see a lot more local guys playing, which will help drive that local um, empowerment of fans to come and watch because, you know, the guy I grew up with, now he's playing for that team. He's not getting cut for Dane. I'm going to go watch. Yes, Pat, your hand is up. You have a question. You've sold me. You've sold me. I agree with you now, 110%. And, and Six Nations is the team that I think yeah. that this actually might be a good thing mm-hmm. because, you know, there have been in the past, you look at that roster, there's a lot of guys that they brought in. And yes, they are elite, superb talent. Uh, but as the years go on and on, less players from Six Nations yes. are on that roster. And if you go into an Arrows game or you go into a Rebels game, even in Junior B, those, those, arena that arena ila is packed Mm -hmm. and even with their senior b team they they get great crowds so i think if you have more local talent they'll come out and support so i do you know what this might after all being said might actually be a good thing but i do think the purists in us have to just accept the fact that maybe the man cup is not going to be the best on the uh, on best anymore but you, you seven game series, the two best teams from, from the East and the still West going at it. it all up. It's, it's still going to be electric lacrosse and it's still going to mean so much and it's still going to be good lacrosse. It is absolutely. Um, speaking of good lacrosse, Panther city lacrosse club <laughs> is playing some good lacrosse on an absolute heater four in a row. Um, what is more likely? we talked about one of these situations last week, Dodds for rookie of the year or Koloski for coach of the year? I would have to say it is a absolute lock that TK is coach of the year. It would be, I I think there's, there's no one else. You could really make a a strong argument, especially if that team makes the postseason. I even Even think Buffalo loses one game all year. I have to, and there's no no offense to JT because I do think he's getting um, 
like a little bit undersold with the job that he's doing there because I think everyone just looks at that offense. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. That's fine. It's yes. You know what? You got to manage it's probably and all that. Yeah. 110%. And I think that cannot be understated. And you have to get uh, out, uh, you know, you have to figure things out. You have to make those adjustments in game still. And it's like you said, a whole management of those egos and, and they're buying in. So kudos to him. 110%. Uh, he will be up for that award. But I just think from a true coach of the year, you have an expansion team that makes the postseason, and it's an expansion team that you could say that even though a lot of people were kind of shocked with what San Diego did in their first season, yeah. there were still people that looked at that roster and said, that's a damn good roster. Looking at that Panther City roster at the start of the year, I can admit it. I said, this is not a playoff team. Yeah, They're going to compete. They're going to battle. And everyone said that except for one man, and that's Koleski. And so that's why I think he's got to be a lock for coach of the year, unless they absolutely fall off a cliff. But the way that they've been playing the belief in that locker room, I don't see it happening now with Dodds for rookie of the year. Um, you know, I definitely think he has pushed himself into the conversation for that top three spot. I think you can make an argument. Maybe he's even that two hole and has passed bowering for it. Uh, but with that being said, I think Jeff Teat is going to continue to pad the stats. I think he's has an opportunity to finish in, you know, the top five in a lot of those categories. So it might be tough. And he just has that, you know, the allure of his name. So I think it's going to be tough for a lot of people to keep him off his ballot, but man, what we're seeing from the Island boy right now is impressive. Uh, I think I wrote down he's got 32 points in during this four game win streak. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so Panther city beats Calgary. 14-11 for their fourth win in a row. The Roughnecks, Rush, and Mammoth all split their games on this weekend, winning one, losing one. So we didn't get a lot of clarity in that Western Division. Actually kind of cluttered it all up even more, which is going to make these final six, seven weeks just absolutely ridiculous. Like, you know, Saskatchewan and Calgary are sitting on four wins. They're just one win behind Vancouver and Panther City, who are just two wins behind Colorado who's just two wins behind San Diego so there is still some ground to make up and definitely going to be some shuffling um the swarm with a huge win over Albany Lyle gets five including his 500th point um and then Joey Rez was phenomenal again for Albany uh are these two guys most definitely in the MVP conversation or is one better than the other you think I, I think it's, this is one of the things where uh, I think it changes, you know, week in and week out. I think a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Joe Rez after that Halifax win was my vote, but then Lyle Thompson basically looks very human for three quarters or two, two and a half quarters. And then in that third, he just explodes and take takes over in that second half and, you know, leads the league in goals now. But I think, Man, this we said it a couple of weeks ago. I honestly think you could legitimately make a case for about five or six different guys to be MVPs. But as we start to get deeper and deeper into the season, I think Resiteritz, Thompson, and Dane Smith sit atop right now as the three favorites. But you could get some magic down the stretch um, with some of these other names that we've been talking about all year, like. Orion Lee, um, 
you know, if Halifax goes on a run here, I think you could put Warren Hill in that conversation. And I don't want to give any spoilers, um, you know, with coast to coast, but I think if Zach Courier, if the Roughnecks make the playoffs, it'd be hard to, for me to keep him off my ballot if I had a vote. Um, breaking news uh, as we record. Uh, Brian Lemon, director, our EVP of Cross Ops for the NLL, just put out the transaction list uh, that we get as broadcasters and media. Um, the Halifax Thunderbirds have released Kyle Jackson from the active roster. No putting him elsewhere, no COVID list, no pup list, no holdout list, straight out released. That wow. is concerning. That is something that I don't think many expected. I think that there was a lot of speculation that he could have potentially been that piece that was traded at the deadline instead of a guy like Steph LeBlanc, but instead he's flat out released. There's no trade. You're not getting any pieces for him. Um, and I don't know, maybe there's more to this, Teddy. Maybe there's more to this story, which there absolutely, I think, has to be. Um, and say what you will uh, about Kyle Jackson. Um, you know, does he fit into that lineup? Um, you know, he's a guy that is clearly a guy that can play in this league. Um, he can contribute in this league. He does a lot of things away um, from the ball and from the scoring that you like. Um, but certainly a, an interesting move before the biggest weekend of the Halifax Thunderbird season. Yeah, it's, it's not something you want to see, especially if for a team that just moved on from Steph LeBlanc, that's, you know, just had a, an 0-2 weekend coming off a bye. Now you lose Kyle Jackson. Um, obviously that means we're most likely to see a lot of Dawson feed this weekend. Um, we're going to talk to Micah Kersey, obviously when we recorded that information, uh, this information, <laughs> or when we recorded that interview, this information wasn't released. So we don't get to really dissect that, but we'll kind of talk to them about the, what they're going to do with that offense. But, uh, this is a big, big wrench thrown into the plans of the Halifax Thunderbirds. Um, and before we do mention that, I'm not too sure if, because my, I was too busy picking my jaw up off the floor, <laughs> but um, Brandon Robinson also on the active roster evaluation right. list. Um, so we might not see him this weekend, uh, but he's a guy that this Thunderbirds coaching staff and a lot of the guys on the, on the offense talking to them last year, love this guy's potential. They love him out the, uh, out the Odor. He's a guy that can play both ways. Uh, but he's a guy that crashes and bangs and he's actually got some great hands uh, in the middle. And now you add a guy, Dawson Thede and Brandon Robinson, two guys that are just coming off of college or university Canadian hockey season. So, you know, they're great athletes. Um, so I don't know, is this maybe you're going all in on, on Cody Jamison being Cody Jamison and, and he's going to be light, light in the lamp. He's going to be your number one offensive threat and, you're going to have two crasher and bangers and guys that are going to contribute. And maybe this is also kind of a, a testament to how much faith they have in Eric Fennell being more yeah. than just a grinder. Yeah. And he's a guy that has been con contributing on a consistent rate. Um, but uh, Kyle Jackson is also a guy that logged a lot of power play minutes as well. So uh, I, and I, I know that is one thing that we talked about with Mike Kersey that has been struggling, but uh, I think it's safe to say uh, Halifax is going to be going uh, strong righty on their on their man advantage uh going forward 
Uh, Warriors blow another seven goal lead to Colorado and on a four game skid um, trouble in Vancouver. Uh, this was a team that was, you know, trending the right way. And even after the initial news of the Mitch Jones injury, they end up winning those next two games and maybe their two best offensive production games of the season. And, and now they have lost four straight. We don't know if and when Mitch will return, but this has to be a concern with the way Panther City is playing behind them for the Vancouver Warriors. It's, it's a definite cause for concern. And I think we kind of expected that offensive bubble to, to burst at some point. I just don't think we expected it to, to come to, to that point. But I do think that the major, major concern is the goaltending. And I don't even want to, you know, you know, put, put it on the goaltenders, but it, it, for me, it's like, I would, I, I just want to see them go. And I think Brad Challoner said this on, on lax class. I would love them to see, um, you know, one goalie and kind of just ride with them because I do feel like right now, both goaltenders feel like they're walking on eggshells mm -hmm. and they feel like they can't make mistakes. And earlier on in the year when, and when bouquet was, you know, was on fire, um, he felt like he was playing with a lot more confidence. And now it, you can tell he's not, seeing the ball quite as well. And maybe, I don't know, maybe he just fell back to reality. And, and what we saw of him at the start of the year was, you know, something that, you know, maybe he was playing above his capabilities. Uh, but a guy like Fryer, he's a guy that when he does have confidence, um, he's caught a lot of it. Like when we saw him come in uh, and, and play some mop-up duty, he's looked great. So I would maybe expect to see Fryer, maybe Fryer goes, but if, if whoever does start, I agree with Brad. I think you got to just let them ride and let them figure things out and, and not just give them that short leash right away. Because I do feel like it, it kind of just throws off the entire team. It's just, uh, you know, you, you get that sense of a panic button being pushed. I completely agree. But if your goalies are letting in bombs from 10 feet out the restraining line and they let in three, four, five in a row, like, you have you can call a timeout you can do the quick switch but it, it as as tough for that as that is on goaltenders it's just as tough on your defense when you're playing balls out defense for th 28 seconds and then a softie goes in so it, it's it's not an easy role being a goaltender especially one that is in and out of the lineup so we'll have to see what vancouver does this weekend but obviously the san diego seals are the top dogs in the East. They win another one and they continue to find ways to win lacrosse games. This wasn't one of their best performances by any means playing a Colorado team that had played the night before and won a dramatic one in overtime against Vancouver. Um, but the seals continue to show that they are the best in the West. Said it once. I'll say it again. Team of team of destiny vibes, man. Like this team just figures out ways to win. The offense is, is so good. Um, but again, just under the radar, the defense, it, it's a no name brand. Like there's no big names on that defense. They play so well to that system. Uh, they allow Frank Chiliano to see everything that he wants to see. And I'm not trying to downplay how well he's been, but the way the defense has played, it's just put him in such a, a comfortable situation to make the stops that they need him to make the stops. And if they do break down, then yeah, we see the big, big saves, but um, you know, th that's a massive, massive, massive win because it would have completely flipped things instead of being nine and two, you're eight and three. Mm -hmm. And then the mammoth are eight and four. And 
like, you know, you're really starting to, to grip the stick. You can feel them nipping at your ankles. Instead, now they're at nine and two, and they're not going to take the, the, you know, the foot off the gas, but there, I think there is now going to be a little bit of a exhale. They, they can feel like, you know, if Audie stops, isn't, you know, feeling well and not feeling like himself, sounds like he's been banged up on and off. You can give him a night's rest, yeah. uh, which they did do a couple of weeks ago. So it allows you to kind of figure things out. Um, maybe give Frank Chiliano a night off. I know he had a little bit of, of a stretch where he didn't play for a bit, but I think now you can kind of breathe. But with that being said, um, Colorado can pick up a couple of wins and then they're going to be right back on your heels. But uh, they're certainly in the driver's seat when it comes to the West. And, and no doubt that San Diego would love to have that number one overall spot in case it comes down to, you know, who gets home floor advantage in the playoffs in those finals. Um, you kind of teased it. You think Zach Courier should be in the running for MVP? I, I think so. Honestly, like I think my asterisk beside that take is that I think they have to make the postseason the Roughnecks. But like when you look at the actual term most valuable player, I think he carries the most value to his team right now. He's leading the league in loose balls with 150. I think it works out to be like 13 and a half loose balls uh, a game. And he doesn't, you know, he does take some face-offs, but he's not logging the face-offs like Withers or Baptiste or, or even Thompson who are near the top of the loose ball stats. Uh, he's leading the league in cause turnovers. Um, with 34 like the next is Brad Cree that has 29 and he actually has one less game uh, than Cree he's averaging a point per game and you mentioned this and I thought you were a little bit crazy <laughs> just based off what we saw from them at the start of the year but the more I think of it with how much they still have in front of them they have an opportunity that pretty much no other team has that they, they, you always hear teams and coaches say, oh, we control our own destiny. Well, that's the case for some teams. For the Roughnecks, they literally control their own, their own destiny. And if, if Christian Del Bianco can get back to the way that we've seen him play in the past, this is a team that can roll right in the playoffs. They're not going to have many bye weeks. I, Teddy, do they even have any more bye weeks left? Yeah. So this is a team that can, that can just roll right into the playoffs. And I know you could say, oh, they're going to be, they're going to be tired, but they're also going to be battle tested and they're going to be in that groove. So if they can catch fire here, get in the playoffs and they're led by Courier, who you could make a strong case for best overall player on the planet right now. I couldn't see why he's not in that conversation. Yeah, definitely no more bye weeks. And they even have a double header, uh, another home double header on the eighth and ninth. So um, big times coming up. For the Calgary Roughnecks. One last point of note from the past weekend. Uh, the Saskatchewan game against uh, what game? Uh, against Rochester on Saturday featured probably the tilt of the year between Chris Corbeil and young Charlie Bertrand. I didn't see that coming, but man, Chucky held his own against the veteran Corbeil. That was awesome to see. That was great to see. And that's just, you know, two teams that obviously things haven't gone their way and frustrations are boiling over. And um, it, it was awesome to see that, that, that Chucky bright lights didn't, uh, didn't back down. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, you know, he, he went toe to toe with a vet. I mean, Corbiel's obviously not a guy that's, you know, Nate, you know, 
made his name for Chuck and Nux, but he's also a, he's a tough customer and he did well. Um, but that also on the flip side, just goes to show that this rush team is not ready to roll over. I think in that post game um, scrum, the media availability, when, when uh, Corbeil said, listen, I didn't think I was going to be wearing this Jersey. He probably assumed yeah. that he was going to get traded, you know, to a team out West. And that probably also indicated that if he was thinking that, there was other guys in that locker room that were probably thinking that as well. So the fact that these guys who have been with Derek Keenan and with this coaching staff and with this organization, maybe this is them now that they can say, Hey boys, like they trust us. Like it's time for us to turn things around. It's going to be tough, but let's at least like, let's go down swinging. Let's at least try to get into the playoffs. And if we can squeak in, we know what we can do. The hard thing is going to be to get to that point. And I think that loss against the Roughnecks, maybe could they'll look back. And if they don't make the playoffs, that might be the game where they say, you know, when, when you know, that doubleheader, it would have been nice to have both. But it's nice to see that this rush team still has some fight in them. Uh, so that was a look back at week 16. Thanks to folks at nllshop.com and fanatics.ca if you want to look your best head over to their websites and get all your licensed nll gear it is playoff season shortly and you want to make sure you're wearing the right colors when you go watch your team so visit fanatics.ca or nllshop.com and get your official licensed nll gear uh week 17 is going to be a beauty there are six games alone on Saturday night, eight games all weekend, including a Friday night game in Vancouver and the finale on Sunday, Buffalo at Halifax. Head coach of the Thunderbirds, Micah Kersey, knows this is a massive weekend for his club. He joins us right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined out by the head coach of the Halifax Thunderbirds, Micah Kersey, as they head into a very important doubleheader this weekend with the Buffalo Bandits. Mike, how are you, man? I'm doing good. You? Uh, you know, we can't complain. We're just two guys talking lacrosse. It's not a very busy news day or anything like that. But um, I get my first chance to come to Halifax this weekend, and we often talk about the experience out there, and we talk about all the things you guys are up to as a team. But Obviously, the chowder reigns supreme. And Patty mentioned that you have a secret. It's a cup of chowder and the fish and chips is the best method. That is the, the best blend of, of all things Halifax is you take a small cup of chowder and then the fish and chips, you can't go wrong. So those are those are my two go-tos. Um, you know, is it get the big bowl? Yeah, more of a like sampler of everything. I like it all. So. Is is it a faux pas to put like red hot or hot sauce in it? I would not do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with you it. Gotta leave it as it you is. gotta try it once. Yeah, the OG method. Yeah, and then if you want to alter it to your flavor, you go ahead. But I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, what are some of the other things I should be checking out while I'm in Halifax? Uh, I would definitely go to. Um, uh, I think it's called Bishop's uh, Bishop's Landing. Uh, there's a couple really good restaurants. Uh, Amano's and uh, Bicycle Thief are like unreal food. Nice. Uh, definitely a good spot to, to hit up. And there's lots of different cafes and pubs and all kinds of different situations over there. But that's a great spot. Bishop's Landing is, is dynamite. 
Consider it done. Um, you guys are getting to a point where you're near 100% healthy. Obviously, you know, you got some guys that are on the IR and be there for, for most of the rest of the season. But what the hell are you going to do with this abundance of offense you guys have right now? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, there's there's things that are going on behind the scenes right now where we're trying to free up space. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a good thing to have and a bad thing. I mean, when you have depth, um, it allows you to to put a lot of different looks out there. But when you have depth with the guys that we have, it also is extremely challenging to manage all of those guys and what their abilities are and trying to find that combination. And right now we've we've kind of struggled a little bit on the offensive end all year. It's kind of been a, a battle to um, to get consistency from guys. We've tried different lineups. We, you know, obviously moving stuff and, and getting feed, uh, you know, is, changes uh, a little bit of our offensive front door. So we're, uh, we're still trying to find that perfect combination. I think that's, that's okay. I think the struggles have been, uh, have been a learning experience for everybody and adversity sometimes is not a bad thing. I think it allows you to, to really try and fine tune it. And, and, you know, the hope is, is that we, we come together at the right time of the year and this is that time of year, right? You want to try and peak at the right time and find the combination that works best. And um, that's the way we've, we've kind of been working this year. I think our defense has been outstanding and winning us games and Warren's been, been unreal this year. So, um, you know, our offensive struggles has been, has been real and it's uh, been a challenge every game to, to get 10 to 12 goals. And that, that shouldn't be the case in the NLL. You, we, we've talked about this before, but it seems like, and it, it's weird to say, but does the offense maybe have a little bit too much composure and has too much ice in their veins? Because there's times where, you know, you guys are down a few goals and there isn't that sense of urgency. Have you ever told your offense that, you know, you do need to force the issue a little bit more or you do need to have that sense of urgency because there is times where it's like, okay, boys, we're, we're running out of time, mm -hmm. uh, but everything's just so calm, cool, and collected. That's, that's been the, the message the last few, uh, few weeks here. We I mean, we obviously had a bye week and that allowed us to, to kind of address some of these issues where, you know, we can't always leave it to the fourth quarter and, and hope that we can, we can get the job done. We have to have that sense of urgency, you know, the first five minutes and the last five minutes and the, the, the way that we play and, and the tempo that we play shouldn't change at the time of the game. I mean, I'll say this. I think our team is one of the best conditioned teams in the league. That's the way we practice. It's the way we've kind of set it up. Um, but we, we, we should be keeping that pace for 60 minutes. And right now we haven't been doing that. And that's where our struggles have come in. And you've seen those, those fourth quarters when, you know, we have been able to take over games and score late. Um, but we can't we'll continue to rely on that. And we, we saw that this last weekend when we played Albany and Georgia, where, you know, defensively, we're, you know, do, doing what we do. And offensively, we were, you know, maybe, you know, passing when we should have been shooting. We, you know, and, and being unselfish is good. But at certain times, like, oh, guys, like, you got to be selfish. You, you got to want to get your shots. And, and everybody needs to get their shots on the offense. So, you know, our goal is 50 to 60 shots every game. And everybody should be getting, you know, some guys are going to get more. And that's just the reality of the game. And, um, you know, we have to play off of that. And we haven't done a good job of that this year.
We talked about it ad nauseum, um, and I'm sure you guys as a staff as well about the the underperformance of your power play. But even maybe more concerning is the fact that your penalty kill hasn't been getting the job done. Where do you go with special teams down this stretch? And again, we've we've tried to tweak some things, and we've tried different different power plays. And again, it's it's finding that right uh, that right where you can play on the edge. You know, when when you're playing man short, it's like where when do you be aggressive? When do you not be aggressive? And I think we've struggled with that. And, uh, you know, we've made some, some changes, you know, in, in who's going to be on there and, and made some cha- adjustments to our man down. So we're hoping to improve that and man power play again, it's, it's kind of been a, you know, a collaboration of our, of our whole offensive season is we've been getting shots and not scoring. And then when we're not getting shots, we're getting frustrated and taking bad shots. So again, it's, it's that wheel that you kind of get on and, um, you know, obviously we're hoping to continue to tweak it and, and make changes and, and find that right balance that uh, that's going to get you to at least 50% on both of them. As strong as your defense is um, five on five, uh, you guys have given up the second most shorthanded goals too. That's got to be concerning. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, put it mildly super pissed when in Albany, when we gave up three shorthanded goals, that's a, that's the game there. Right. And mm-hmm. that should never happen with the defense that we have, especially when we have one extra guy. And uh, so it, it's, you know, it really, uh, it's a frustrating part for me because I think we, we would have won that Albany game if we not given up three shorthanded goals and all, all goals that are preventable. And uh, so we have to know when, when to pressure out and, and, and try and step up on guys. And we have to know when we got to pack it in and, and play proper defense. Right. So. A guy that's certainly hoping to help your special teams on the power play, Sean Evans, a guys that you, you brought in just before the trade deadline, obviously he's not going to just jump into this offense and fit it right away. Uh, but how did this trade come about? Was it something that, you know, you and Kurt have been kind of working on for a while or was it literally just, you know, Dan Carey picks up the phone and says, would you guys like Evans? No, we talked about it before and uh, you know, with our struggles on our power play, you know, you got to bring in a guy that, that's got good vision and, you know, can pass really well. He can also score. And uh, we knew Shawnee would probably be available with Rochester kind of, you know, falling off a little bit here late in the season. So again, you know, trying to bring in a guy that's won championships with that championship pedigree and also with the ability to, to hop on a power play and make it better um, was definitely one of the reasons we brought him in here. So, uh, you know, he's, he gives us a little bit of a different dimension um, on the PPs, you know, he's, he's got a great vision. He can move the ball really well. He's got a great shot. So, um, you know, he's definitely going to help our power play and, uh, you know, having a couple practices to, to get that chemistry with the team, uh, is definitely going to help us for this weekend. Did you ever play with him? I did play with him. One of my first few years in Rochester, he was there. He actually played transition. If, if you can believe that he, so you're going to put him in transition and then he would play defense and then uh, run up and play <laughs> offense. So um, he probably wouldn't speak too highly of his defensive skills, but uh, that's where we had him. I mean, we were loaded up front, you know, yeah. you look at, uh, I think it was 2006 when he, when he was there that he was playing in that role, but we had so much talent on the front end. We were like, okay, well, where do we put him now? And uh, so he did do that for a little while. And then, you know, they obviously found out that that wasn't his strength and moved him to the front door and, uh, and here he is, a couple MVPs and a few championships later. Exactly. Um, 
Other than his face-off abilities, what was it about Jake Withers that made you guys so confident in him taking him second overall uh, ahead of Zach Courier? Uh, when we had the conversation about the – and it's, it really was between the two. I mean, yeah. um, again, we, we thought of the, the money ball scenario. So when you, when you really look at what uh, guys are going to bring to the table – you know, Zach Carrier, is a, he's a great defenseman. He's great in transition. He's probably going to get you one or two, at least opportunities or, or create three or four opportunities in transition for you. Um, but when you, when it comes down to it, what's the most important, you know, part of lacrosse and that's possession of the ball. And, and Jake gets us those extra possessions. He can stop runs on his own because he wins a faceoff. So we all know that when you get on a run, team gets on a run, well, what do you got to do? You got to get the ball back. And, you know, he gives us that opportunity where he's going to win that faceoff and get us that ball back. And we've seen, you know, at times this year, he's gone, you know, 80 plus percent. Um, well, that, that's a game changing thing, especially late in the game when you need the possession and there's a faceoff. You know, I have a hundred percent certainty that he that ball's coming coming our way. So it was really a money ball scenario. And I, again, I think you know Jake uh, gets underestimated for his defensive abilities, and I think uh, he's a great defender. And so he brings that aspect to the game as well. He's not just a fogo. He's not just a guy that we expect get your face off and and get off the floor like I've seen with other teams that have tried to do that this year. He's a guy that's on our man down. He's you know he he plays a ton of minutes for us. And he's a great defensive and, and a great young leader in our locker room. And he's going to be a good leader on our team for a long time. On the, the note of underrated and maybe going under the radar, my favorite storyline or one of them with this group is Benjamin Button, a.k.a. Scott Campbell. Like this yeah. guy has gotten better and better and more athletic as he's gotten older. And I think I even heard you in, in one of the broadcasts, I think to say to, you know, Ashley Docking that, you know, he should be in conversation for a potential defender of the year. He's just not getting the notoriety. What have you seen, you know, from his game over the last couple of years, but especially, um, you know, as a guy later in his career, being able to bounce through that, that COVID layoff. And he's actually said that might've been one of the best things for his career. Yeah. I think, you know, he, again, he's a guy, I think that when you look at how he came into the league, I think he's always been a little bit underrated, um, but he's really put an effort into his, his conditioning and, and his fitness the last, I would say, five, six years of his career. And it's made such a huge difference for him. When he came to Rochester, I mean, Boston just let him go. They, they cut him. And uh, he came to us. And um, again, he was always a good defender, but he's really, in the last five years, I think, just developed into a phenomenal athlete and, and defender and leader. And how he's not in the conversation for defensive player of the year, I think is embarrassing. And I mean, I think everybody always picks the guys that are always in that conversation and you look at that, but how do you not include a guy who's 40 plus years old, plays the number of minutes that he does and does what he continues to do on the floor. He, if he, he should not be, he should be in the conversation. He should be in the top three on the voting list. And if he's not, everybody needs to really look again at who they're actually watching on the floor because he's been our best defenseman this year. You know, nothing against Graham Hossick. You know, Graham's always going to be in that conversation because he's a freak. But um, Supi is has been by far for me is, is one of the best seasons I've ever seen him play. And, and doing that at 40-plus years speaks to his commitment to our team, his commitment to his fitness and commitment to the game of lacrosse. He, he was with me uh, in Minnesota his rookie year. 
And I tell the story all the time. AJ Shannon came diving across the crease and Soupy broke his leg, like right above the ankle Mm -hmm. and could have been a career ender in that Mm -hmm. moment. And to see where he is now, um, as I'm two years older than I'm sitting with my gray beard, calling games and he's still running the floor is just absolutely, uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, Your good buddy JT's on the other side. How much do you look forward to these kind of coaching chess matches? Uh, it's, I always look forward to them. I mean, I think anybody that that's anybody would love to, you know, play in games like that. And I mean, JT, you know, I played with him for a long time. We're friends and uh, you know, I, I look at what he's done in lacrosse and what he's done from the coaching side. And it's something that you, you know, I, I, I have a great admiration for um, not only his playing career, but what he's done with his coaching career as well. So um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a challenge, right? I mean, you always want to play against the best and beat the best. And right now they're the best. So you, you can't not be excited. You can't not, um, want to do your best against the best guy, uh, you know, who's ever played the game. So, uh, I, I love these challenges. I think it's always a chess match and, you know, how do you tweak something that maybe they're not expecting and trying to put something different in that maybe they're not, they're not prepared for. So, um, I'm sure he's doing the same thing, you know, looking at our team. So I'm excited for it and, you know, let's get after it. Uh, what challenges does, does the bandits pose for you guys as a team? Uh, offensively, they're, they're a very gifted team. You look at any one of those guys, those guys would be probably number one guys on any team. So, you know, the fact that they've got them all playing together as a group, I think is, is, you know, kudos to JT for that. Um, but offensively they put up big numbers and, uh, you know, defensively, we have to be prepared to, to deal with all the challenges. I mean, you got Dane Smith, who's again, another freak athlete can go one-on-one is great passer can shoot from the outside. You know, you've got, um, you know, left side, you know, they've, they've done really well. You know, Josh Byrne, again, another guy with very similar to Dane can, can get you to the net, can shoot from the outside is great passer. So, we've got our hands full. There's no doubt about it, but I also look at, you know, what, you know, when, what win the games, what wins championships, I think defensively, I think we're stronger than them. Um, both have good goalies. I mean, I think uh, Warren's having, you know, a career year. I think Matt Vince continues to do, do what Matt Vince does. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's shaped up to be a great, great couple of games. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for it. I know you guys don't have the geography, the geography um, rivalry before, but clearly these guys know each other well. Is there still that that hatred between these two franchises? There's a hatred. There's no doubt about it. You know, we may <laughs> share, we may share colors, but I think that's the only thing that we share. Um, there, there definitely is. Uh, there, there's a, and I think it's a respect hatred. It's a hate them because they're so good, and they probably hate us because they know we're good. So. Um, it's going to be a test of wills and a test of who's committed to, to sticking to the game plan that the coaches have put forward to, to put them in a place to be successful. And we'll see who's better. Um, you and I both played in the I-90 rivalry back in, you know, the mid two thousands. What do you remember about, you know, those old school Rochester Buffalo just beat the shit out of you every night kind of battles. Those are the games you love to be in as a player. Right. And, you know, you know, it, it wasn't a point night. It was a, okay, you know, put on some extra pads yeah. and, and be ready for some ice packs after the game, because both teams are going to be sore. Both teams are going to get after each other. Um, both teams are going to have moments where, you know, mitts are going to get dropped and, you know, slashes are going to get hacked and 
I make fun of Billy all, all the time because I said, you know, I probably shorten your career the number of times I, I set picks on your hips. Um, you know, <laughs> throughout our career, he always says that he stuffed me, but I always know different. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, those are those games you love. And, and, you know, you look at man cup games and, you know, you, you think about how, how much those series, how much they hurt, but how much you love being in those. And I think those, those games, uh, you know, when Buffalo Rochester and Buffalo and Halifax, those are the games that every guy should get up for and every guy should be excited about being a part of. A um, couple more for you here, Mike. Uh, seven, uh, you got seven games left. Two of them are, are in the nest. The other are on the road at the end of the year. Uh, being battle-hardened is obviously a huge uh, point of contention for teams going to the playoffs. How do you use that to your advantage? Well, I think, you know, the time on the road is a time where you, you really kind of get to kiss your families goodbye and really get in with your guys and, and get in with your team and, um, you know, continue to bond and, and build as a unit. And, you know, going on the road is always a challenge because you're, you know, you're not sleeping in your bed. You're not sleeping, you know, you're not eating the same foods that you normally are accustomed to. So, you know, putting that aside, we're all professionals and, you know, we have a job to do. We're in the business of winning games and every team is, has those, those same challenges. So, you know, you have to put those uh, aside. You, you can't make excuses for anything and you have to go out there and perform. And this is the time of year where every team is going to try and perform at their best. And every team builds for, for this time of year, when you, you, you know, you're through the halfway point, you've had your early injuries, you've found some, some chemistry on your team. And what team do you put forward on every get every night that's going to make you successful. So uh, it's an attitude and, you know, you got to get after it now. I know you guys, especially you and Cody, give them a, a hard time, but uh, the work that, that Tyson Geick has done with uh, Thunderbirds 360, um, you are a franchise, you know, yourself, starting with you and Kurt, that have noticed or, you know, have embraced the importance uh, of that behind the scenes look of and how important content is to professional sports. Um, maybe just uh, talk about, you know, the job that Tyson's done with 360 and all the work with the T-Bird Social alongside uh, uh, Charlie Ragusa. Yeah, I think it started, you know, when we first went to Halifax. Um, you know, so I think some coaches are a little bit, shy about, you know, kind of letting anybody into the locker room. I mean, it's kind of like that sacred space where, you know, nobody gets to see what happens, but, you know, if, if anybody has watched, you know, some of the three sixties that other teams have done in the different leagues, the NBA and NHL um, it, it's, it's captivating. It's mesmerizing to see what actually happens, to see what all goes into the planning what goes into the locker room, you know, and to see the behind the scenes stuff. That's, that's what, as an athlete, I love watching those shows. And I think that it's something that lacrosse has, has been slow to get to that level. I think the PLL has done a good job of, of, you know, taking the social media platform and, and allowing it to, to grow your league. I think the, the NLL is still a little bit, a little bit behind in that aspect, but I think things like what, what Tyson's done with Halifax 360 is really, you know, giving, uh, giving people an inside look at, at what happens in professional lacrosse. And, you know, I think it should be more too. And I, I think something that to build on is, you know, going and seeing what guys do in their regular lives and how they prepare at their own home, because we only get together so many times a week. So, you know, this is a, a great starting point. I think it's something that we, we can continue to, to polish and get better, but 
every week I look forward to watching it and seeing how he puts it all together. And, you know, those guys are, are masters at their craft. And um, I think it's, it's a great tool for us to promote our game of lacrosse and to both promote the, the Thunderbirds and the national lacrosse league. And I, I hope that other teams do it and, and other teams kind of embrace it. I've seen it a little bit more on social media teams doing more things. And it, it is a powerful vehicle uh, to get a message out and, and to promote the game. And ultimately we're promoting a game of lacrosse. You know, our, our team with, with Tyson is promoting, you know, obviously the Halifax Thunderbirds, but it's something that, that really anybody can look at and say, that's interesting. Maybe I should check into the game. So, you know, kudos to them. I think they've done a, f- a phenomenal job. Although Tyson has missed a lot of opportunities to get content. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I'm not saying that he he's, he sleeps in at times and misses shoot around or practices that he should be at. But, you know, hey, who am I to speak? I'm just a coach. You know? I, I, I can't babysit everybody. I got 24 other guys I got to babysit. So. Um, has it made you realize how much you swear? Uh, yeah, I've been I've been told that you know I might want to tone my language down, but again, you know, you got to speak from the heart. You know, yeah, I don't put things on paper. I just you know, you just got to speak at what it is. And, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I got problems. <laughs> uh, one last one for you. Uh, this is a, a big weekend for you guys, obviously, but it's actually a historic weekend for Dan Dawson. Uh, he'll pass JT for most games played. He will most likely become the all-time leader in assists. As a guy that's been around this league for a long time and actually, you know, watched Dan's career, uh, for the most part, how special of a player is he and how important is he to the NLO? Well, I, I think when you look at Dan's career, I think it's one that I, I think a lot of kids should, should actually watch and, and kind of really find out the history of it. You know, the guy was drafted late, late in draft. Like he was kind of like one of those throw-ins, late draft, oh, let's, you know, he's available, let's pick him up. You know, big, tall, lanky guy that, you know, it was, was okay, but wasn't great. And, uh, you know, he's taken that uh, along with his work ethic and really uh, done some special things and, and has etched out an amazing career. Um, you know, longevity of career is something that, uh, you know, is, it's hard not to, uh, it's hard not to be impressed with, you know, at that age to continue to, to get the job done. It, it's, it's a challenge, right? We've all been there and, you know, you, I played 17 years and at the end of it, it was like, my body can't take anymore. And, uh, the guy still gets the job done, still trains really hard, still giving back to the game. So, uh, you know, kudos for him for, for all that he's done for the sport, but, you know, pass a guy legend like JT. I mean, JT is the best that ever played. There's no doubt about it as an overall player, you know, you couldn't ask anything more of a guy and, you know, Dan surpassing him in, in a few different areas and, you know, that's, uh, that's an amazing accomplishment for Dan. And, you know, I congratulate him on his career, play with him, you know, coached him and, uh, you know, he's a true professional. Mike, I appreciate this, my man. I know you got a lot of work to do for this huge double header. Uh, we will see you Sunday and, uh, best of luck on Saturday, my man. Appreciate your time. Thanks, man. All right, so that's Mike Akurzi. Um, Hopefully Tyson Geik will be able to make it um, and he won't be locked out of the arena um, or, you know, stuck in his hotel room or sleeping in. But uh, I like what he, you know, what Mike said about the fact, you know, the T-Birds kind of have really bought in 
to the content game. And they've really put in a lot of effort into bringing in knowledgeable people to build their content. And it's only going to bring more eyes on the Thunderbirds and the Nash Lacrosse League because it continually is the best content we put out each and every week. Absolutely. And I want to give a shout out to Unchartered Media, um, Kyle McDonald and Riley Strobridge Bridge as well. The content Cowboys, they help out Tyson, like all the footage, not all of it, but a lot of the footage um, they shoot. Uh, it's a, you know, a collaborative uh you know, process. And obviously I mentioned Charlie Ragusa as well, uh, obviously heavily involved there, but even the other, you know, the entire team, like it's an absolute wagon, the social media staff that they have there. Uh, Austin Owens obviously helps out as well. And um, they're a team, like you talk about the team culture that uh, the Halifax Thunderbirds have, well, the media team and the front office staff, there's a lot of culture um, there. And that starts with Kurt Steyer's, and it trickles down to John Catalano and, and so on and so forth. But I honestly, I know they know, and I know a lot of other teams know. And I, I think for, for me, it's, I would like to see the NLL do this. Like I, I would really like to see the NLL once a year, maybe pick a team to follow um, and, and do like what drive to survive does or do what the HBO series, um, yeah. you know, what they do, pick a team once a year and follow them around because look at all these, quote unquote, non, you know, non top four, non major four in North America. And it starts with the F1 drive yeah. to survive series. Yeah. Like that has taken off like, like wildfire. Now the PGA tour is doing it. The, the ATP and the W uh, the women's tennis um, WTA. tour WTA, they're now doing their own series. So it's only a matter of time till some of these other leagues do it. And I think the NL has to do this. They have to strike while the iron's hot because um, what Tyson's doing uh, with his crew, imagine what they could do at an entire league level. Like this could be something so, so big for the league. Um, more breaking news uh, to further on the Kyle Jackson uh, news that we spoke about a little bit earlier uh, statement from the Halifax Thunderbirds uh, quote the last couple of weeks we have made some moves as an organization put us in a position to compete for a championship this year in doing so we asked Kyle to assume a different role within the organization ultimately Kyle has decided to seek out new opportunities elsewhere in the NLL we appreciate the time and dedication that Kyle has given to this organization and we wish him and his family nothing but the best. And that's from Kurt Styers, owner and GM of the Thunderbirds. So not sure what that position is. If they asked him to maybe play transition, maybe they asked him to move to the practice roster for a game or two. Who knows? But Kyle Jackson's time with the Halifax Thunderbirds is up. And it will be very interesting to see where he ends up because I believe there is maybe one or two more weeks, Pat, till teams can sign street free agents. So I wouldn't expect him to be without a team for long. No, someone's going to pick him up. But I think this is also a statement. I think from the outside looking in, you could think panic, like Steph LeBlanc, gone. Bring in Sean Evans, Kyle Jackson, gone. But I think that this is also Kurt Steyer's and Mike Kersey and this coaching staff saying, if you're not with us, if you aren't buying in at this point, just jump off the ship because this boat is moving. Everyone's rowing in one direction. And if you don't want to pick up your oar and, and row the boat with us, 
get off the boat. And I think that is clearly what's based off that statement that kind of opens up our eyes to what it is. It's not just, you know, them just trying something different and bringing a, a guy like Brandon Robinson in and, and them, because I think if that was the case, they would have traded him last week. So something obviously has had to have happened and that statement right there shows it. So um, I, I'm sure it still comes as a shock for, for a lot of people and it will come as a shock. And I know there's going to be a lot of players or sorry, a lot of teams looking at Kyle Jackson to pick him up, but um, on the biggest week, biggest weekend of the season, the Halifax Thunderbirds go out and do something bold. But um, this is an organization that's done a lot of bold things in the past. Um, and I know this team, I know, you know, Micah Kersey has a lot of trust in this group and they have a lot of trust in what Kurt Styers is doing. So um, it's one of those things. It's such a cliche, but I think they're just going to trust the process and, and uh, see if this, this uh, pays off ultimately. Where does he end up? Oh, Buffalo I think this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine that? No, I, I, I don't think Buffalo has enough space um, anywhere on that offense. Uh, to be quite frank, but um, Toronto know, maybe could use it's... a lefty. Maybe Toronto could Toronto could use a lefty, but I think you know. To be honest, Toronto is very and you know having a conversation with some of the Toronto Rock players and and with Matt Sawyer, he's pretty pleased with his left hand side. He's pretty pleased that and he knows the Dan Craig has been a huge boost the way he's played. Absolutely, and I think Dan Craig I, a lot of people obviously are talking about the amount of points that he's put up. He's already passed 50, you know, he's scoring some big goals, but this is a guy that had, I think he's third in loose balls on the team as a forward. Like this guy's an absolute machine uh, picking up loose balls, uh, extending possessions. He, he plays great away from the ball. And the big thing for me as well is he is always going back in transition, taking away, um, any sort of odd man rush. Like he is so, and when he gets stuck back on defense, he can play D like he's yeah. caused some turnovers. He, and then he pushes the ball up in transition and they get scoring opportunities. Like it's crazy to say, but like he went from a guy that everyone's like, man, we need a little bit more to, from him. I think he's a guy that the rock would like to step up. Well, he stepped up and he's done even more and i've been blown away by him and i think that that's a big reason why they probably wouldn't go out and get a guy like kyle jackson because then that might take away touches from craig and i think he's been one of the nice little storylines for that toronto rock team yeah he's got he's second in points with 54 third in loose balls on 73 and fourth in turnover cause turnovers with nine so nine uh, cause turnovers like yeah, are you kidding me yeah are you yeah. kidding me and this is a kid that he was an MVP in, in, in the Ontario junior lacrosse yeah. league, right? Like yeah. played with Barry and he's a guy that kind of went under the radar for a little bit. Um, kind of fell out of love with lacrosse from, from what I heard as well. Um, and then, you know, Jamie Dowick takes a chance on him, picks him up and it's taken him a little while to, to flourish into what we've seen from him this year. But man, I love watching his game. Like he is so much fun to watch and he's been a big reason why we've seen some production out of that those lefties all right let's get into where do you think 17. wait no wait wait oh. you put me on the hot seat oh i did i'm putting you on the hot seat where do you think he ends um uh, i could see new york throwing a, a, a feeler at him um put him alongside jeff teat 
um, on that, that, that side, um, maybe Rochester, bring them back in, into the Roch. I just, I don't know, man. Like New York has moved Kieran McCarter to play some transition to kind of open up some floor with the way Larson sundown has been playing, but I think that would be a great spot for him would be in New York. Yeah, the, the, that only thing is it is kind of congested up there. Dan Lomas has come back, and he's yeah, looked true. like he's been great. So I, I I think maybe a team like Rochester would would, would give a stab um, at him, uh, bring him back. He, he played in Rochester, obviously, um, when he was in with the now Thunderbirds. Maybe that's, maybe that's a spot. But uh, I certainly think, I don't know, maybe a team like Philadelphia, maybe they they yeah, take, a, yeah. take a run at him. Um, that's an offense that definitely could could use a different look um maybe maybe he lands there i don't know but uh needless to say it won't be long till we find out yeah when we hit record on this podcast i didn't (laughs) think this was going to be uh i thought the the man man cup yeah (laughs) that was going to be the spiciest news (laughs) that we talk about but um all right week 17 starts on friday san diego at vancouver with a wheel with a win the seals inch closer and closer to a playoff spot. We kind of talked about it. Um, the revolving goaltenders in Vancouver has to be a concern. Uh, I, I kind of like you're thinking that Steve Fryer will get that start, but this is a huge game for the Vancouver Warriors. They need a win. They need to stop this skid. They need to find some momentum. They just need everybody to give 60 full hard minutes. Yeah, this, I don't want to say it's a must win because it's against the best team in the league, but, or sorry, the best team in the West right now. But like, it's it's a spot where you don't want to put up a, a stinker like you did the, the previous or a couple of weeks ago um, or let like even the way that they lost to Colorado. Yeah. It just see, see things like things are snowballing with Vancouver after such a positive start. Yeah. So even if you, and I know it's way too late in the season to have moral victories. Um, but I think this is a, a spot where if you can keep it close uh, and if Panther city doesn't beat Colorado, yes, you kind of lose some ground and potentially catching Colorado for that two spot. Um, you come away with saying, all right, guys, like we, we start, we're starting to found our game. We didn't get the outcome that we thought we deserved, but you know, it is what it is. Playoff races aren't supposed to be easy. But if they go into that game and get thumped, like that is going to be an absolute dagger. It is going to just any any semblance of confidence that this group has, it's going to take it right out. So, oh man, this is a tough game. This is a really, really tough game. And, and you would have loved to have Mitch Jones in this lineup because you could also draw and say, look, first game of the year, we beat these guys. Yep. Um, we know what it takes. But when you're missing your heart and soul on the offense, it's going to be a lot more difficult. And you're missing the guy that's the reason you won that game because he went off five <laughs> in the fourth yeah. quarter. Yeah, he literally um, yeah. willed them the victory. Yeah, really, literally. Um, it'll be interesting, obviously – you know, San Diego was a team that we thought would be quite active, maybe at the deadline. They only go out and get Brett Hickey. He had a goal in that game this past week. He didn't look out of place, but I don't think I saw him much late in that game. But that was probably because San Diego was just trying to build a comeback and maybe they weren't confident putting him in some of those key situations. But uh, this is a team that needs to be healthy. They need everybody playing at, at 100%. So uh, big test for them this weekend. Uh, in Vancouver. So that's a lone game Friday night, Saturday, as mentioned, 
we have six, and it starts with the first of the back-to-back, -back, the Clash of the Titans, Halifax and Buffalo. Uh, we'll save that one as we will talk about it on the back end of the second half. So uh, the TSN game of the week, Georgia at Toronto. Do the Swarm go back to Mike Poulin, or do they maybe give Craig Wendy a start? Oh, man, this is tough, and I've been thinking about it, getting ready for this game. It, it's like – it's 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 uh it's a known fact that Pooley's not playing like himself but what we saw from Pooley a couple of weeks ago playing Halifax like yeah we we know he still has game in him we know that it's not you know we know he's not near the end of his career but we've seen him at points this season play really well uh, but at with that being said he doesn't need to steal a game like he did in that fourth and even the third quarter against Halifax where he stood on his head just needs to make those big, those stops. And with a young group on defense, there's nothing more deflating when they're playing great D and a shot from the outside that your coaching staff says, that's a shot we want to give up. And it goes in the back of the net. Like that's very deflating. And the way that Toronto has been shooting the ball, they'll shoot from anywhere. Yep. They'll shoot from absolutely anywhere. But with that being said, like if you, if you go, like you got, I think you got to have faith in your guy. Like he's, he's done a lot for you. He's won a championship. And maybe this is, maybe this is the, the, the turning point. Maybe this is where you go. And if he loses this game or maybe you have him on a short leash, then you got to go with the backup option. But I don't know, man, I just have a hard time coming into this game, them not trusting him and, and believing in him. I think they're going to go with him and I think they're going to, live and die by that decision and they're currently sitting in the fourth spot uh in the nll east so they are in a playoff spot so they don't want to do too, anything too drastic that could hurt their chances uh, of getting into the postseason uh philadelphia at rochester make or break game for the philadelphia wings they continue this ridiculous slide they've now lost four in a row they can't get more than eight goals um now that you said it, i kind of like the fact that maybe they do go get kyle jackson um, obviously we're going to see, uh, Leclerc in the lineup for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that does give them a bit of a change, but, um, like you said, maybe an addition, a late addition of Kyle Jackson gives them a bit more of a spark. Um, but you know, we still don't know the status of Ryland Hartley. Uh, the Rochester Nighthawks did announce that Lucas Coote, uh, has been activated. So, that leads me to believe that Hartley isn't ready. Um, not having a proven number one goaltender is definitely going to hurt Rochester in this game. And it might be, to quote you, as you often say, a get-right game for the Philadelphia Wings. It, this is exactly what, you know, the doctor, and we'll say the doctor's uh, Paul Day in this situation ordered. Uh, and this is a game that you can get that confidence back into this group. Because let's be honest, like – for how bad they're playing, this is a, a group that should have so much confidence. And yes, there, there's a lot of the same to this group, but there's a lot of good lacrosse players on this offense and the ball's just not sinking for them. And I think if you can come out firing and if it's, if it's Watson or if it's Coot, whoever it is um, in between the pipes, if you can take advantage of a goaltender that has obviously been thrust into a situation that they're not used to at this point, um, you got to take advantage of that. Like 121 goals um, for this, this wings team at this point in the season is just not enough. 
when you look at the weapons that they have Agreed. on offense. Um, so I think this is exactly it. Yeah. To, to, to steal my own phrase, Teddy, <laughs> this is a get, get right game. But with that being said, Rochester is a group that doesn't matter if they're in dead last or if they're making a, a push for the playoffs, they have a lot of belief in this group. They think that they can still make a push. And even if they, end up being eliminated. I think this is a group that's going to embrace being the spoiler and playing until the very last whistle of the season. Uh, correction, Lucas Coot added to the practice player list. So they now have Watson, Nagy, and Coot as their three goaltenders. So it'd be interesting to see. I, I noticed they weren't, they didn't want to go to Nagy really much at all um, in that game on the path over the weekend. So that's never like, for me, the optics of that just streams you don't have confidence in your backup to put him in to give you a couple of saves. Even if it's give me a minute to let Joel Watson rest and regroup, mm -hmm. it just screams that to me. So it'll be interesting to see what Dan Carey and Mike Hazen do uh, with their goaltenders this weekend as they take on the Philadelphia Wings. Albany at New York. Uh, Albany needs to regroup after a tough loss to Georgia, but New York looking to continue to improve. They are kind of maybe one of the two teams that are really out, probably out of playoff contention, but you know, a win streak can go a long way. They've only played 11 games. So they still got some makeups to do, um, but this will be a very interesting lacrosse game. It will. And I, I, for, for me, like, well, let's stick with, let's stick with New York first because you, you brought them up and, yeah, three wins, eight losses, good chance they're probably not getting in the postseason. But let's be honest, this is a team that, despite what maybe they have said in the media or, you know, what you've, what you've heard them say, this is a team that wasn't competing for a championship this year. They're building for a couple of years. And I don't think that they're a, a rebuilding team that's going to be, you know, a long rebuild. I think they are they probably think that maybe not next year, but the year after, like they go on a run next year and then potentially could win a championship the following year. So they're, they're quote unquote playing with house money right now. Um, on the flip side, Albany's a team that last year when the COVID uh, break hit, they were the top team yes. in the league. Yes. There's been some turnover. Yes. Uh, the, the, the team looks a little bit different. Um, but when you look at the nucleus, you look at the roster, you look at, you know, the coaching staff, the philosophies, this is a team that believes that they should be a championship team. And when they're at their peak, when they're beating San Diego, when they're beating Halifax twice in a year, when they're losing by a goal in Buffalo, where they felt like, and a lot of people seem to agree that they probably should have won that game. They're a, they're a wagon. They're a great team. But when they play down quote unquote to their competition or come out flat, they are a very tough team to watch. So I think this is a fork in the road where Glenn Clark is going to say, which Albany team do you want to be? Are we the championship contending team or are we the team that is just going to come out flat or mail it in, in the second half when things aren't going well? Albany currently sitting fifth in the NLL East at six and eight. They are technically sitting in the four spot in the NLL West for the playoffs and would match up against San Diego in the first round. Wouldn't that be a fun little game to watch down in SoCal? Uh, game five of Saturday, Colorado at Panther City. Can they make it five in a row? Um, 
It is the ESPN game of the week. Hopefully there is a, a legit turnout of fans. Um, but man, who would have thought as we get into April, Panther City about to go looking to go on a five game winning streak and possibly secure themselves the third spot in the playoffs. It's it's the best story of the season right now, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It is awesome to see what they're doing. And, I, you know, I, I went on a tirade earlier in the show saying that, like, you cannot praise TK and this coaching staff enough. Like, they are getting everything out of this group and each individual player. Um, they're building something special uh, in, in North Texas right now. And when you add Donville and when you add Stotts, like, this is going to be a team that's going to con- contend. And this is a team that is already battling for a playoff spot and nobody, they're already (laughs) contending. So, I mean, I hope they come into this game uh, and and just continue to bring that energy and continue to bring that FU mentality that they have, because uh, that's going to be a fun game to watch. It's going to be on, uh, on ESPN. And uh, I I can't wait to watch it, man. Cause like, uh, like this is a game that at the start of the season, Probably wouldn't have really circled it on my calendar, to be quite honest. But now uh, with the stakes that are on the line here, especially even for the team they're playing in Colorado, um, this is going to be an unbelievable game. This might be one of my favorite games, if not the favorite game uh, of the week. Uh, They've got five games left. Uh, They got Colorado this weekend and they got Calgary, San Diego, Georgia and Saskatchewan. So it's, it's not out of the realm for them to go, on a serious run here and make some noise in the West. Uh, final game on Saturday, Calgary at Saskatchewan. Who wants the playoffs more? That's essentially what this game is going to come down to. And I think the loser pretty much can mm, nearly write their season off. Um, and the winner will kind of make a half step towards being contention. But these two teams are definitely struggling. Yeah, Saskatchewan, I mean, they're like, they're, they're a cat. They just have nine lives. Like every time you think they're out there, eh, you look at the standings, well, maybe they can't. I think this might be the ninth life if they do lose here. I think Calgary can afford to maybe drop one this way. Uh, but if Calgary does win, um, certainly looking a lot stronger because now Vancouver, Panther City, um, and, and themselves, you know, have five wins and they've, uh, they're they're a team that, like I said, they have the capability to go on a run, but uh, this game couldn't be bigger. And I think, I don't know how. When have we have we ever seen Calgary since or since Saskatchewan's moved to Saskatchewan? I don't think so. Probably not. Like they could sweep them in a season series. Like that is unheard of. I don't even know if Saskatchewan's ever been swept in a season series before. We'd have to ask Evan Sheminauer that one, but um, yeah, I couldn't see. Very unlikely that that since they've moved that it's happened. I know when I was with the Rush organization <laughs> early day, we lost a lot of <laughs> season series to people. Um, but yeah, it's 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 in the early days of that rivalry, it was very heavily slanted roughnecks, and since the move, it's it's kind of slowly balanced out. But this year has just not been the Rush's year. But like you said. A couple of wins down the stretch, you start to, you know, ignite that championship fire inside those guys in that locker room, and you never really know. But like so many teams that are struggling that we've talked about, they need to get consistent going, and it starts with Eric Penny. Uh, He did have a better game in that second game on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, 
as they knock off Rochester, but they're going to need another performance like that from that whole defensive unit and just continually get scoring from an offense that can put up numbers. Um, but again, they lost 14, 12 to Calgary on Thursday, obviously a quick turnaround. So we'll see what happens on Saturday. And that is the late game on Saturday, but the big marquee matchup of the weekend, a home and home between the bandits and Thunderbirds. The Sunday game is a COVID makeup, but one o'clock on Saturday in Buffalo, 4 PM Eastern on Sunday in Halifax. This will be an absolute war. I can't wait, man. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. Like, the fact that it's a home and home makes it that much better, but like everyone has been begging for this matchup. And I think it kind of loses a little bit of steam because, you know, Halifax is coming off a couple of losses, but I would actually argue it adds more to this game because it now means even more because if, even if, you know, if Halifax maybe even splits, you know, they could lose both these games and still potentially have a chance to catch Buffalo. But the fact that now, you know, they lose those two games a couple of weeks ago and then have the bye and they're rolling into this as in, you know, this is two must wins if they want that first spot in the East. And we talked to Micah Kersey about it. Like these two teams do not like each other. And it doesn't matter that they're not in the same state anymore. These two teams do not like each other. Every time they play each other, it's an absolute battle. And I think everyone is talking about how good Buffalo's offense is and, you know, how cold Halifax's offense is. I'm looking forward to seeing the defensive battle and the goaltending battle, because for whatever reason, uh, there's not nearly as much chatter when you when you hear these two teams' names. The defensive units seem to be a little bit unsung, even though you look at it and they're probably two of the better defensive units in the East and maybe even in the league. Yeah, um, you know, cats out of the bag a little bit, but I'll be in Halifax on Sunday to call the game alongside you and just some of the yes. notes that I have written down and it pertains to the whole weekend for Halifax is, they need to be physical on guys like Josh Byrne and Chase Fraser and Dane Smith. Anytime they can get to put those guys on their backsides on the turf, they have to take that advantage. It can't be a dirty hit because they can't allow that power play to go to work. Because as we talked to Micah Kersey, uh, Halifax PK second last in the NLL, but they have to slide and hit the body. Anytime Josh Byrne goes up in the air, Chase Fraser goes up in the air. They got to land on them hard down the ground. They got to make them pay. If they can be physical and they can play fast, they definitely have a chance. But if they're undisciplined and they're not quick to get on hands and allow Buffalo and that offense to gain some confidence and gain that swagger and allow Bandit Land to give them that energy, especially on Saturday, uh, it could be a long night. But I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. Chowder. Yes. I'm looking forward to a full nest. I'm looking forward to the battle of franchises that have known each other for almost 30 years. It is going to be a heated rivalry and I cannot wait. And it really could separate Buffalo from the rest of the league. If they win those both games or Halifax get themselves right back in it. And that's kind of what everybody would love to see because nobody really wants to see the bandits just run away with things. No. Other than bandit fans. (laughs) 
but I think it's just going to be an absolute wild ass weekend. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see Aaron bold in one of those games. I, I highly doubt we see Devlin Shanahan play, but you never know, depending on what happens on Saturday, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see some roster movements between the two games. Uh, obviously Halifax is going to have to make some roster movements now that they moved on from KJ, but I think overall the, these two games are going to be massive for the landscape of the NLL, but just two amazing games to watch from a fan's perspective. I think if you're Halifax, there's a couple of keys. You mentioned the physicality hundred percent. You mentioned special teams hundred percent. I think it's the quick start and I think it's in both games and you could say it the quick start for Buffalo as well. Buffalo, yes, they're, they, they've only lost one game, but they are a different beast at home. Like when they start fast and the fans start to get loud and the guys, the offense after scoring big goals are jumping in the glass and, and pumping the crowd up, that is so demoralizing to defenses and to goaltending. And actually, it actually sometimes riles up some of these defenses where they get over aggressive and want to take Chase Frazier's head off or, you know, they want to throw that late hit on Josh Byrne and then yeah. ref's hand goes up and then they kill you on the power play. So I'd be interested to see where that line and the guys like the Jake Withers, the guys like Tyson Bell, the guys that like to play on that edge, if they're going to be able to play mean like that without having a parade to the penalty box. So that's something I'm going to be watching for. Um, but man, I can't wait. I can't wait to call a game with you, buddy. Oh, man, you, me, and Geico, Yes, it is going to be a fun, fun time. I am definitely going to have to go and get a haircut because mine will not match yours. Or <laughs> um, but we will coordinate our suits or at least try to. And uh, it's been a long time coming. I can't wait to get out there. Obviously, you're going to be in Toronto uh, calling the Swarm Rock game. So we won't get to hang out and watch that game in Buffalo on Saturday. But nonetheless... We'll have a time in California. And hopefully, as we have a time, we can help you all have a time and win you some money. And boy, have we got a juicy box bet for you this week. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLF. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, boss bets time, Patty. And we keep coming close. We're, we've been like two for three in the last three weeks. Uh, but we won last week because we hammered the over and the boys filled the net. We wanted all the goals. We got all the goals. And this week, uh, I threw a little wild card, little juicy parlay at you. And you liked it. I love it. I absolutely love it. We got the easy one out of the way, although it was a bit of a sweat. Um, but this week, I, I really like this one. Teddy, you went, you went a little ballsy, which, you know what, when you get a win. I always do. It's just fine, which is yeah. fine. So we'll, we'll go over it now. So we got the Warriors plus one and a half. They just got to keep it close against the Seals. And we've got the over 22 and a half in the first meeting of the Bandits and the Thunderbirds. So we know there's some dynamic offenses. The defenses are good as well, but we think there's a chance we'll see some theatrics in bandit land, a lot of goals. And the one here that really added some juice to this parlay 
but I love this bet. And I think if I was to give out an individual bet as my favorite bet, it's Panther City to win outright. That one was like plus seven, 750, 760 something. Cool bets boosted it all the way up to plus 900 for us. Let's go. Nine to one odds on this one. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I I was I woke up and felt dangerous when uh, I put that one together, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm liking. It. I, I just, you know, you, sometimes you just gotta live on the edge a little bit, and sometimes just you know embrace the madness that is March, and uh, I, I like it. I thought it was a good little run, and we've kind of been fluctuating the last few. So I thought this was a good way for us to go uh, two weeks in a row. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's let's try to stay hot. That's one thing. We've got the we've got a couple of wins. We've strung some wins together, but we haven't been able to get on a hot streak. So let's 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 fire on this one. This one's a juicy one, uh, and let's keep the winning roll. Like it's the same thing with teams. You want to peak at the right time. You want to peak going into the playoffs. That's the same thing with our boosted on box bets parlay. Absolutely. And how do uh, people join us in all the fun? Well, you just go to coolbet.com. There's going to be that little green button at the top. You're going to click register. Once you sign up, it's going to take really quick, like under five minutes, super, super quick. Going to become a cool better. But before you, you put a little bit of money into that account, make sure you go to the other little green button when you hit that deposit and type in OTCB. And find folks a cool bet are going to double your deposit up to $200 Canadian. So you throw in 200, they'll get another 200. It gives you $400 to wager on the NLL, maybe a little NHL, maybe some Formula One this weekend, maybe the March Madness, whatever it is that you want to wager on on CoolBet. We've got a lot of odds, but Teddy, as always, we have to say, stay cool. And responsibly. Um, sidebar, who do you have winning the WGC match play? Oh, I put a few. I man, this this honestly, the WGC is one of my favorite events of the PGA tour season. I think they gotta move it to be honest. I'll, let me go on this little side tangent. Yeah, please do. It's too close to the masters. Like this is this is must-see TV. So there's a lot of guys that they'll opt out because it's you know just a couple of weeks away. But I think if they were to put this in like the middle of the season, whatever it is, it would be an even bigger spectacle. And for some people that don't know, it's a match play tournament that, you know, it's a round robin at first. You play everyone in your group and then you move on. And then it's basically a one and done bracket style. So it's like March Madness for golf while March Madness is going on. And yeah. you can see all the matchup, the head, you know, everything, um, you know, there. But uh, I think, uh, like I said, I, I put a, uh, I got Homa. I think I've got Homa. Um, Victor Hovland, I've got a future ticket on him. Um, I, I, I said it in my tweet when I put my picks out. I've definitely made way too many picks, uh, but that's how that, it's, it's a fun tournament. I, I love watching this tournament. Yeah, I'm a big fan, especially uh, that drivable hole where guys are just bombing it up, <laughs> putting it up against the bleachers and then chipping into the water. Like, it's just it just cre creates madness and, and i'm here for it especially through the month of march um all right that's box bets that's a look at week 17 um you and i are getting ready to go to Calif california together 
Uh, mm-hmm. But man, two huge breaking news stories in the span of one show, the PLL saying no outside sports or you're not allowed to play in any other competitive league. Now we didn't mention this, but that doesn't mean they can't play in the NLL because obviously the NLL playoffs will kind of run into the first couple of weeks, most likely of the PLL season. So they're not saying players can't do that. They're just saying anything else. Mm-hmm. So probably means you can't play, you know, any club ball in the U S you can't play in the Western league, the Eastern leagues, you can't play anywhere. So it's definitely going to throw a curveball into some teams. We're, we're still waiting uh, public statements from the major series and the WLA. So we'll have to wait to see what they say about all of this and how they plan to handle it. Um, then of course, Kyle Jackson being outright released by the Halifax Thunderbirds. We have to wait to see how that plays out. If KJ finds a roster spot before the weekend is over. And if he does, or if he doesn't, we will talk about it next week. Are you excited, Patty? What are you more excited for? To see me or to be on TSM? To see you. Uh, No offense to the fine folks at TSN. It's I am so proud and honored to be there, but I don't think we've ever actually met in person. That's a true story. (laughs) Right? Like, I don't think we've ever met in person. We talk every day. We we host a podcast together. We've been on countless of streams together, but we've never met face to face. Man, that's going to be an awkward hug. I can't wait. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, he's Pat Greg, or you can find him on Twitter at P Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast or find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Don't forget NLLshop.com or fanatics.ca for all of your NLL apparel so you can look your best when you're watching the best. Thanks to Mike Kersey. Thanks to you. Enjoy the games this weekend. It is going to be madness. And until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an outlaw.